0: About this series because it's something that's, I think, near and dear to all of our hearts because we do this every single day. We make choices, do we not? How many of you chose to wear deodorant? I'm just kidding. Do not raise your hand. If this if this was middle school, there would not be any hands up, right? No, but we make choices every single day. And last week, it was so important as we introduced this series, when you look at doors in front of you, you see that they represent choices that you've made throughout your life, doors that you've walked through. And last week, we looked at that door of trust, didn't we? And we're coming from the life of Moses. And I think it's so important when we when we, we look back at his life, we see someone that is realistic. We see someone that was known to be a man of God and someone that made big... Mistakes too. And I love when we look in the scripture. I was sharing it with Carrie even last night. I said, Baby, there is so much in here. We could do a, a year long series on, you guys ready for that? Just kidding. A year long series just, just on Israel and Moses' leadership and all the stuff. That, there's so much study. It's so rich that's there. But we looked at Moses' life in lieu of the trust factor. And what happened? We watched how Moses trusted God and people trusted God because of Moses and they trusted him. Two, when he had that rock behind him, that rock in a hard place thing, right? That mountain. And he had the, the water in front of him. He trusted God. God parted the sea and they walked through on dry land. Such an amazing story about trust. And I, if you remember from last week, I also went into that little song that we used to sing growing up. Trust and obey. Do you remember that part? You know, and this week we find ourselves at the second part of that song, the obedience factor. I don 't know about you guys, but that's a hard door for me sometimes. Anybody else? Walking through the door of obedience? I feel like it's like the only door in my house sometimes, if you know what I'm saying. Like nonstop trying to like just be obedient, just do what you're supposed to do. Do the things that God has put in your heart already. Remember, we talked about that last week. So often we want to talk more when we're supposed to do more. We want to stay in that place and say, God, did you really say, was it really you, God, or was it gas pains? You know, like, what was it? And all he wants you to do is do what he's already said. And that takes obedience It takes obedience, and when we look at the life of Moses, if you've read the story or you've heard it before, you know that he was someone that was obedient, but also there was a patch in his life where there was disobedience, and it sure rose-colored his future forever. And I don't want us to look at Moses as someone through rose-colored glass. We don't want to look at him in this way that he's just perfect. We want to look at him as the humanity, the person who represents humanity just like you and I. Real people that can be men and women of God but make mistakes and fail to trust and obey. All right, so what we're going to do today is we're going to split it up between two portions of scripture, two parts of Moses' life that you may have heard about before, but they're very important for us to cover because it's the second part of the trust factor. It's the obedience factor, but it's also the disobedience factor. So we're looking at Moses at two points in his life, but only just years apart when he was a person who was following God and being obedient with everything. And then a moment when disobedience settled into his life. Okay. So remember, when it comes to choices, our current level of gratitude is based out of the choices that we made yesterday. If we trust, if we trust him, and we obey him. So let's get into the word. First part of this is going to be Exodus 17. These two events are going to line up in your mind in just a moment and make perfect sense. Exodus 17, one through seven. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, which is a hostile environment, okay, of sand and stone. So you can picture this desert place that is not fun to be in, okay? Traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded they camped at Rephidim, which means resting place, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you want to fight with me all the time? Okay. So we're getting a glimpse into the backstory of Moses's relationship with the people of Israel okay? Every time something went awry, they got angry. Does this sound like something maybe in your home, you know, when you have that that parent figure and then you have the kids and like all of a sudden, one of our kids, something's missing. And it's like, well, mom, where did you put it? And it's like, you don't place things in the wrong places ever kind of thing. Do you get what I'm saying? And and Kara just steps up and says, why do you quarrel with me? Just like that. (laughs) Give us something to drink, mother. No, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. So not only did they quarrel, but they also grumbled. Does this sound like children at all? Parents, are you with me on this? Aunts and uncles, you can always give them back. But you know, grandparents, you know, you have grandkids now. They're just perfect, aren't they? Yeah, whatever. Okay. They were thirsty, They were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. Why were they thirsty there? This place was supposed to be a place where water was supposed to flow. So they get there, and there was no water. Literally, it dried up. So they were angry. Imagine if you were walking through the wilderness. Would you be a little thirsty? And then would you get upset at the one who was leading you when he got you there and there was nothing to drink? Yes, you would. So there's the context and understanding. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? They always went back to Egypt in their mind. You notice that? Especially like that family vacation, maybe like a camping one or an RV kind of situation. Why did not we just stay at home? You know, this is what I picture when I read. You know, it's Moses with all of his kids. and He wants to kick them and put them in the back kind of thing. All right. This happens, but I don't do that in my family. All right. So then Moses cried out to the Lord. What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. Maybe they had them in their hands. I don't know. The Lord said, answered Moses, go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel and stand there before the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you By the rock at Orb. Now, this is God standing before Moses, but also taking a stand before the people in this way, expressing Moses' place within the people of Israel. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. This was his greatest support team that he could have, were the elders of Israel. So he did this in front of them so that they could relay this message too. You see what I'm saying here? It makes perfect sense. And he called the place Massa, which means trial, and Meribah, which means quarrel, you know? They named things that made sense within the context of the story, because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? So what we see in Exodus 17, 1 through 7, is an obedient Moses. He has in his hand the one thing that was symbolic of his leadership. He has in his heart the right relationship with the Lord. He's trusting him, he's obeying him, and he's listening to what God says. And God says, strike the rock, and he strikes the rock and water comes from it, okay? Two quick things on this side of, of the story. When we choose to walk in obedience, God is giving the directions. Now, we would look over this really quickly if we didn't think about it a little bit more. Exodus 17:1. the whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They went Place to place as the Lord commanded. See, when we look back in Exodus 13, 21 through 22, we see that the Lord set in his heart to guide the people of Israel, a pillar of cloud, right? And a pillar of fire in this way that he would make sure that he would lead them every single step of the way. So we see this type of obedience happening in Exodus 17, right? It makes sense that he's leading them and they're being obedient, right? We're following his directions. See, when we choose to walk in obedience, God is giving the directions. We're listening to him, okay? So we see what this obedience is supposed to look like in Moses's life, but also our life as well. So there may be some things already in your mind that you're thinking about that God has said to you that he has told you just do this and do this alone, and I'll guide you in that, all right? So keep that in your mind, all right? Let's keep rolling along. Second aspect to this obedience factor, when we choose to walk in obedience, we also journey with the right people. We used to say this thing in youth ministry, show me your friends and I'll show you your future, right? Does that make sense to you even more so now? Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Exodus 17, five, the Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. Go what does he do? He obediently walks out with the right people, and he walks in obedience as he walks with the right people, okay? So we see this example of what obedience looks like. So this was a story that you've heard probably growing up, or maybe this is the very first time, and it seems pretty crazy, does it not to you, that there was a dry place, there was no water, people were upset, Moses was God's appointed and anointed man for that point of the service, and then God told him to do this, he did it, and there was obedience. Awesome story, right? Let's go home. No, there's more. Because see, there's always the in-between factor. See, Moses was doing life with a bunch of people a whole bunch, millions of people in this way that that he did probably not enjoy in a lot of times because leadership is a very lonely place and it's very hard because you have to make decisions, you have to do things that not everybody likes and you see Moses as that person. So there's some things that happened after this that I think changed Moses in some ways and what happens is we see a change. Here's some of these things that happen, okay? Okay. We see his obedience factor in his life. Okay, that we'll understand that first. That he was someone that helped to deliver the people of Israel, and he was walking with them. God's presence with, was with them, and it was promised to him. But then we see the change where the law was given. We see a census taken of the people because they're getting ready to do what? Go into this promised land. The whole reason why they're in this journey of life was to get to the place that God desired for them to be. So this census was taken, but also there was a set of spies that were sent out. Do you remember that story? A set of spies that were sent out to look at the new land that is flowing with milk and honey kind of thing. Ten of them come back saying, it is, it is exactly what they said it would be. What God said, it is a land flowing with milk and honey, but good God, you should see the opposition. It is crazy. It's beautiful, but there's no way we can take it. There's no way we can do it because it's just too much. The the, the warriors are too big and, and this is too much. There's no way we can do this. And it changes the setting of Moses' life, but also the setting of the people of Israel as they continue to move on. So what happens? Because they were disobedient in this way, because they didn't listen to what God said about the promise and and desire to take it this first time, to desire to enter it, they fell into punishment from the Lord and years of wandering in the desert. 40 years of wandering in the desert. Is that not correct? Can you imagine I can't imagine wandering the desert for three hours. (laughs) Are you with me on this? I would know I'm going to the desert be like, I don't have water, and I have it with me. I'd start crying. I don't know about you guys, but I'd I'd turn into a baby probably. 40 years. But in this time, a lot of things was happening between God, Israel, and Moses, Israel, and all these people, so much so that I think there was a change within Moses' heart too. I may be wrong but I think that he just got tired and weary. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like you've been doing the right thing for so long, right? Maybe you're waiting to find the one, and you've been pure, you've been a good in good dating relationships, you've, you've done this, and it's been three months, and you have not found your spouse yet. <laughs> You came to college and you expected two years later, you expected ring by spring or your money back. That is the motto of now University of Valley Forge was Valley Forge Christian College. That's where I went. Um, You expected, or, or how about this? You've been at your job. You've been doing what you're supposed to do. You followed all the rules. You've listened. You've done what the the, the superior said. You showed up on time. You've worked above and beyond. For five years, you've been promised a new position. Or maybe, maybe and, and that relationship that you have at home you know, that you, you have done what is right for, toward your husband or wife, and you've been that believer that you should be, you have showed the way that, that you should show him, that you've been the example of who Christ is and what he should be in the home, but yet still no change. Do you get tired of doing the right thing? Do you get tired of being obedient with no change? You've saved money, and all of a sudden, now my tires blew out. Then the battery's gone, and then the roof fell off the house, and then my children, you know, they need shoes. Stop growing! You know what I'm saying by that? It's like, what is wrong with you? Your feet, they're not wild. You want my old ones, you know? (laughs) You're doing the right thing, but you just get tired. And then you get tired of being obedient, Then you slide over to that side of, disobedience and this is what's so great about the life of Moses that we can see a man who is obedient but we can also see a man that is disobedient and we can learn from him so we see now 40 years later the book of Numbers chapter 20 1 through 13 and the title of it says a new generation because of all that happened in that old generation because they you took them out of Egypt but you couldn't get Egypt out of them kind of thing they died and that punishment and that wandering, God purged them in that place. In the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zen and they stayed at Kadesh. There Miriam died and was buried. That's Moses' sister. Now there was no water for the community. Oh my gosh, what is happening here? There's no water thing again, Okay. There was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. Hmm, sounds quite familiar once again, but a few years later, right? They quarreled, there's that word again, Kara, your word of the day, quarreled with Moses and said, if only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. What? you rather die because of a punishment, because of disobedience in your life, Then be with the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness that we and our livestock would die here? Our livestock, which is our livelihood, which is our investments, which is our 401k, which is our our long-term marriages and families, which is the symbolic of wealth, the symbolic of, of everything. Why did you bring us out here yet again, Moses? What is wrong with you? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? There is no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink—not even water. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Then Moses, then, excuse me. Then the Lord said to Moses, "Take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly there. Speak to the rock. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water." Okay to the assembly. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock, their livelihood, their future can drink. So Moses took the staff, right, which was symbolic of his leadership from the Lord's presence, just as he commanded him, just as the Lord said to him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, listen, you rebels. Here it is. I've had enough, you know what I mean? When the parents come home and the house is a mess and all of a sudden, that's it, all of you, outside. You know what I mean by that? Our our house is nice, I'm not saying that. Everything's fine, okay? (laughs) But it's the the greatest understanding of when you're just done, you're tired. He said, you rebels. Years, decades, what is wrong with you? We've been going in circles. You still don't get it. You see what I'm saying here? I've had enough. And Moses is like, the lip quivers. (laughs) You know, the staff is shaking. He's ticked too. He's mad. What is wrong with you rebels? Crazy people. And then he says, must we bring you water out of this rock? We'll get to that in a second. Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. They did get their water, okay? But the Lord, this is so sad, said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, disobedience, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. These were the waters of Meribah where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord and where he proved holy among them. Same problem a few years later, huh? Doesn't it seem that way with life though? It's the same thing, but just a different time. It's the same thing. We need water. You need money. You need a new vehicle because your other one's falling apart that happens. You, you need to this for the kids, or you need that for the job, or you need, you need confidence, you, you know, you need independence. You, it's just the same thing, but a different time, and yet we're in it, and how we respond is everything. What we choose in this moment changes everything, and you find yourselves, we find ourselves, I find myself standing here at the choices of disobedience that I've made and even some of the punishments and things that I've had to endure because I didn't just listen. So when we choose to walk in disobedience, when we choose to walk, when we choose to walk in disobedience, we follow our own leading. Numbers twenty ten, He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in, the fr- in front of the rock. And Moses said to them, like I said before, listen, you rebels, must we bring water out of the rock? See, Moses had a problem here. He didn't follow the leading of the Lord. He started to follow the leading of himself. Moses said, must we? He looks over at Aaron like, Aaron, you done with this too? I'm done with these people. Bunch of stupid rebels. They never learned anything. The whole generation, their parents died before them, and they still haven't learned a single thing. They're still angry. They're still talking about Egypt. They still want to fight. They just can't get it. They haven't learned anything. So Aaron, you ready for this? Remember how God did it before? It was with the staff, right? The thing that was symbolic of my leadership. I'm going to strike the rock. Aaron, you down with that? I'm down with that. Let's do it, Mo. Let's go. He says, hey, Aaron and Mo gets up in there and strikes the rock twice. That just happened. You're back in though. God said, speak to the rock, Moses. God didn't say, strike it once or even twice. He said, speak. What was the struggle that Moses had from the very beginning? Speaking. A weakness that he had from the very beginning when God said, go tell the Pharaoh. But I can't. I'm not eloquent with words. I can't speak well, God. What do you mean you want me to go talk to him? What do you want to do? I'll send Aaron. Aaron. Yeah, he'll help, whatever. Here's your staff, though. Carry that. You've carried it 40 years prior in the desert when you were taking care of sheep, so that'll be the thing. Okay, we'll work this out, all right. But God was saying this time, Moses, speak to the rock because what I'm gonna do for you in this moment is, yeah, what you got in your hand, we'll talk about this in a second, but I want you to to speak because what will happen is when you speak, I will make it come forth, and they will believe in you even more and me too. But so often, we strike the rock. We do what we want to do. Pride fills us up, and we walk in disobedience, which leads us to the fourth thought. We misuse what God has given us. That staff in his hand, you see that. Then Moses raises his arm, like I said before, and struck the rock twice. God gave Moses to see that, but he also gave Moses his voice. But he didn't see that. All he could see was his staff versus his story. We talked about this last week. What has God placed in your hands? It's your story. It's powerful. It's what God has done in and through you. It is you living out there. But so often we want to circumnavigate what God has for our lives and do it On our own. Do not misuse what God has placed in your hand. He failed to use what God had given him. Allow God. This is so important. Listen to me on this. Allow God to change the plans and use you in a new way, which may even seem like an old way, but a new way. It may be the way that he's always wanted to use you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to speak up if that's what he said. But you won't know it unless you go back to that tent of meeting place in your life as well and you hear from him again. Yes, like I said last week, go when you already know, but stop when you don't know and listen in and then he'll tell you again. Are you with me? So important. So important. Fifth thing, when we choose to walk in disobedience, we could be forfeiting God's promises. Numbers 20, 12. to Moses and Aaron, because neither one of them were able to enter, because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. Can you imagine what Moses felt right then? But God, I'm tired, man. You've seen this. You've watched this. I've talked to you about it Numerous times, you know how stupid they are. You know how, it's like, come on, why don't you just get it, people? Right? God, you've seen me do the right thing week after week at my job. You've seen me honor my boss when I don't even like that person. You've seen me, God, be nice to my roommate, and I do not like them for sure. There's a line down the middle. Why is their stuff always on my side? Kara, we got to work it out. I'm just kidding. But God, you've seen this. You've seen this, and I'm just done, man. I'm tired of doing the right thing. So I'm going to hit the rock twice, strike it as hard as possible to show them what I have and the power. But he ruined it. And he ruined his place in the promised land that day. The desert place sometimes, listen to me, is God's desired place for you. We want to run from the desert. But I'm telling you, go home and research the map of the track that the people of Israel could have taken out of Egypt to the promised land. It would have been like this. But instead, it was like. And finally making it. Doing the right thing, being obedient on the front end, will shorten the journey to your promised land if you learn the, 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 what he's trying to teach you in the desert place. You don't have to go in circles for decades. You can learn, watch somebody else even. Learn from them. That's what I did for my brother. Whew, bless his heart. Watch them and learn from them. Right? You don't have to do this. This is not... Where you have to be. The desert wasn't just for Israel. It was for Moses too. A lot of times we think it was just for the people of Israel. Sometimes what God is bringing us through is just for others. Sometimes it's just for you too. Think about this. Me as a pastor, oh, that's good. I got to share that with others. But sometimes God's like, hey, bro, that's for you. Get your junk straight. You need to be obedient in this. You need to listen in that. That's not for you to have good meat on Sunday. That's for you to eat on Wednesday, bro. Sit at the table, grab the fork and the knife, cut it up, and chew on this. We don't like the desert. We think it's for somebody else. But if we're not in the right place with him and we disobey, the desert will be for us too. If we can avoid it, we do. But when we get through it, when we come to it, we got to get through it. The result of disobedience is discipline. Discipline. The result of disobedience is discipline. We see that with Moses and Aaron. We see that with the people of Israel. And sometimes we see it in our own lives too because what happens is when we didn't obey, we forfeited God's promises in our lives. We forfeit them. We choose to say, I don't want this to happen, God, even though you've told me because I'm too tired. I'm tired of waiting on the one. I'm tired of doing the right thing at my job. I'm tired of being a good neighbor. I'm frustrated. I never get anything back. I'm done. You could be this close, like Israel was, when they sent those spies this close to entering the promised land, but they listened to the negative report, and they didn't make it in. Back to the desert. Go back to wandering. You could be this close. Deuteronomy 34, 1 through 7. Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah, across from Jericho. He has a view of the promised land and he has a conversation place with the Lord. We see Moses at the end of his life here, at the end of his journey, looking to the place that he, he led these people to but could not go through. Are you with me? Because of his disobedience, bred discipline in that moment, he is there looking at the promised land from a distance, right? There the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead to Dan, to Naphtali, to the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah, as far as the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev, and the whole region from the valley of Jericho, the city of Palms, as far as Zor. Then the Lord said to him, this is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, when I said, I will give your descendants, he said, I have let you see it with your eyes, but still you will not cross over into it. See, Moses still faithfully led people after that point. After his failure, after his disobedience, he still did the right thing again, which is great, but he still had ramifications of his disobedience, which led to disqualification of this promised land experience, okay? Then the Lord said, this land i promised, right? You will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab. As the Lord had said, he buried him in Moab in the valley opposite, Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. And this is the thing that is polarizing to me right now. Verse seven, listen to me. Moses was 120 years old. 120 years old, 40 years in Egypt as one of Pharaoh's kids, 40 years in his own desert place too, right? When he was a shepherd to sheep and 40 years with Israel, 120 years of his life. But listen to this. Yet his eye, there was still weak, nor his strength gone. There was still more in him. Moses could have made it to the promised land. But because of disobedience, he died just shy of it with still having vigor, still having vision, still having strength. But all he could do was look at it and die. And you think about this in your life. Thank God for grace. Because, yes, there are ramifications of our decisions You know, there's things that we have to live with. But his grace is sufficient that he can change the future in this way. There still may be some things. There's still things that I deal with because of the decisions that I've made, especially when I was in the hardest place of my life in college. I still feel stuff. I'm not exempt from it. It didn't just go away, right? You know what I'm saying by this? Some of these decisions, these choices, these doors that I have walked through did not just go away, but I'm learning how to to choose obedience every single day so that those choices become smaller and I can still make it to my promised land. By the grace of God. What does that mean? You may have walked in obedience and you may find yourself in a disobedient place now. You may feel that things are just not working the way you expected. You've done the right thing with no change. It feels like, is God even alive right now? In my life, I feel like he's dead and gone. I feel like everything I've ever felt was just a dream. It was nothing. It was emotions. It was this. It was that. Start being obedient today. You may not get warm fuzzies right away. Welcome to life. Wait. I love my wife. You guys know this more than anybody and anything in this world. But do I, every time I get around her, I actually do feel a lot of warm fuzzies, which is awesome. But are we always just, ah, just dancing around and prancing and like crapping cupcakes and unicorns? No. (laughs) Life stinks sometimes. But I know she loves me. And she knows I love her. So we choose to be obedient and keep walking in the right direction, even when we don't feel it. I choose to love her every day as I choose to love the Lord every day. And he chooses to love me back. She chooses to love me back. Obedience is a choice. You can't see beyond the choice sometimes. I get it. I get it. And sometimes doing the right thing does not pay off. I agree. It may take 40 years. It may take 120 years. I don't know. But when you get to heaven with him and he says well done good and faithful servant that was the audience that you played to him. Cuz listen guys, this is just a blip. Anybody that's over 50, over 60, even more so, does it feel like over 7 whatever, does it feel like life was like that? I was talking to my father-in-law just yesterday and he was talking about memories of the past and how fast. This is but a vapor. This is just such a short time. Eternity is going to be a lot longer, okay? A whole lot longer. So you're looking to be obedient to the one that holds eternity in his hands. And he's not looking to punish you. He's not looking to throw you in hell or anything like that. He's looking to do life with you every single day. And it comes by way of obedience. Worship team, if you guys wouldn't mind to come up, because we're going to conclude this morning one to see and my challenge for all of us is number one to see that there's still more to come it's so hard sometimes it's like somebody like behind these right here there's actually a window there and if you were to look out that window you wouldn't be able to look out that window because there's black plastic coat all over it, which we're gonna have to have a lot of help to clean off okay but there is a covering over that where you cannot see out of that window And sometimes that's what life feels like. I know there's a window there and the outside is on the other side. I just can't see through it right now. I can't see past what I'm feeling right now. And it's real. What you feel is real. It's not fake. You know, what you're, I get it. But by the grace of God and being obedient, someday you just grab the scraper and start moving away bit by bit, piece by piece. You'll begin to see the light of God shine into your life. And it will become a window again that you can see the outside and also you'll be able to see where you can walk out the door and walk in it too. It takes obedience. And obedience sometimes is hard work. 40 years later with people mumbling, grumbling, complaining, and everything all around you. But don't stop because you don't want to be buried in view of your promise. You want to be buried in your promise. It takes long-term obedience, right? So bow your heads with me for just a moment. Maybe you feel like in your life, this obedience thing is hard. Maybe it goes back to like what we talked about last week with the trust factor, Maybe you've really struggled to trust God with everything because you've never given God a high five. You've never went to the store with God and he paid the bill. You have never went to the dealership or or to the loan office and, and he didn't sign his name on the bottom line. He did not show up and your marriage, and your home, and say, guys, come on, come on, let's work this out. He did not do that. He did not show up the way you expected. Therefore, he is not present. He is. But sometimes we gotta wait long enough in and, and a state of obedience to see how he wants to show up in our lives. So I wanna challenge us this morning. If you find yourself in that place, okay, of in the Lord and being obedient. Can you just take a moment and, and agree with me by looking at me, and then you can close your eyes again. Okay, it's a lot of us. I got a mirror up here. Okay, all right. We're together on that. Okay, okay. And the second thing is this, and this is the starting point. Do you trust him with eternity? Will you be obedient to give your life to him, knowing that not everything will be perfect, It will not be cupcakes, rainbows, or unicorns, but it'll be worth it. And what does that mean? Just saying, I believe. Believe what? That Jesus came and died for my sin to build a bridge between me and God that I can walk across and walk with God. I repent from my life, my desires, give them to him and start walking in that direction. If that's a choice you want to make first and foremost, just look at me real quick. Okay, all right, a lot of us, yes. Okay, all right, okay, all righty. So let's seal this moment now in your heart in prayer and belief and also marking the date in your heart, your mind, and in your calendar where you felt like this was the beginning of my obedience so that when things are tough, When storms are raging and people are talking and you are following their directions and you're not hearing God like you used to, you're not finding him like you used to, you can go back and say, this is when I chose to be obedient and I will choose to be obedient again today. To what? Reading his word, talking to him, and walking out life with other believers. I will do it again today. So, Lord, this morning we thank you so much that you are able... We thank you, God, that you have a vantage point that we can never understand. And God, I know I, I, I've spent years trying to see the world from the way you see it, and I fail so often, more often than not. and I find myself in a disobedient state sometimes, not doing what I'm supposed to do, and I know that I'm supposed to do it. God, I'm human just like everybody else in this room, and we can all identify the ways that we have fallen short but we can also identify the way today that we can move forward. We'll choose obedience. So Lord, I just thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you that you recorded this down so that us today, thousands of years later, can look back and say, man, I can identify. Man, I feel bad for Moses. Known as a man of God who had faith, but yet he died shy of his Absolute promise. Maybe the promise changed along the way that it was to help get the other people there. I don't know, but that initial promise, God, what an opportunity. God, help us to hear and to know that promise for our lives so that we won't give up shy of entering into that promise, that we won't see it from a place that we won't die with a view of it, we will die in of it. Because God, like Moses, had years left, but yet he died shy. Help us, God, to be obedient. Help us to be obedient. Not to people, that's not what it's about here, but to you, to your word, and to the example that you've given us through people that have made mistakes but are still identified as people that love you. And we thank you for that. We thank you.